Welcome to Epic Moses, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God decided to make man in God's image. What exactly does this mean? Should I take it to mean that God has organs as I have or functions as I do? Most times when we speak of man, we are normally referring to humans. However, there's a difference between man and human. This was the problem when Christ spoke to Nicodemus in John 3:3. Christ told him that he needs to be born again. And Nicodemus was wondering how he can enter back into his mother's womb to be reborn. Christ then clarified that whatever is born of the flesh is flesh and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, flesh cannot produce spirit and spirit cannot produce flesh. Being aware of this simple fact makes a world of difference in how anyone will see things and interpret events. We are talking in this series about eternal redemption and it's very important to know the very basics of this dynamics. Whenever we say man, we are not speaking about humans. Now you might ask me what the difference is. In Genesis 1 God created man in the image of God, but in Genesis chapter 2 God molded man out of dust. Since God certainly cannot be dust, The second one is a different thing and it is called human. The word human was formed from two words, hue and man. To hue means to carve out, like artists who carve out images from rocks or trees. So, the word human, which was originally spelled H E W M A N, and is still pronounced that way today, means a carved out man which implies a physical image of man look at it this way if you give your picture to a sculptor to carve out an image of you from a rock then that becomes a rock image of you in that same way humans are a flesh and blood or physical image of man not man in the same way the rock image of you cannot be you the body cannot be man now that we have laid this basic foundation of the facts about the difference between human and man we can now begin to look at why man not humans needed redemption in the first place one of the greatest misconceptions in the understanding of redemption is identifying exactly what was saved Many Christian denominations over the years have developed devotions and worship methodologies for their faithfuls which basically sees redemption from a purely human perspective. In their understanding, it's all about what you do with your body because they just as Nicodemus consider the body as what their worship entails. So it's all about ceremonies and sacraments. and their way of life is basically to do with dressing, appearance and behavior all of which are important social components of human life 
but has nothing to do with man who is a spirit. As a result of this, those religious bodies find themselves ever present in the flesh, but always absent in the spirit. I know that those social aspects of human life is important in this life. However, it's very important to set priorities and scales of preference with propriety for what you're doing to be productive. For example, if you want to build a house and you decide to start by directing your resources to buying expensive furniture, gold and silver cutlery, rather than spending towards laying a foundation and building a strong structure, such a person may end up not even having any resource left to build the house. As much as the social aspects of humans are important, they mean nothing when the man is not taken care of. Wouldn't it be better to concentrate on getting the man right before taking care of the body in which the man lives? The body cannot exist without the man, but the man exists without the body. Like the scriptures say, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven because it is purely earthly. You can find this in 1 Corinthians 15.50. Now at creation, man was created to have dominion over everything on earth. The earth does not belong to man, but man was made to rule over it. This is the real meaning of being made in the image of God. Psalm 115.16 says that the heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth had he given to the children of men. Also in his prayer, the Lord Jesus prayed, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the real meaning of being made in the image of God. It means that man is to the earth what God is to the heavens. It's not talking about being a lookalike of God. It's a question of function. Man was to have dominion on the earth to create as God created in heaven. This is why God never built a single house or carved out any country or any such thing. This is man's function. The earth is meant to be whatever man makes it to be. I guess this is also why in chapter 2 of Genesis, God made Adam name all the animals, rather than God naming them. This means that whatever we call anything on the earth is what mankind decided to call it, not God. So man resumed duty as a superintendent of this planet at the beginning, but something happened that upended the power structure of the planet. In the story in Genesis chapter 3, man sold himself out by obeying the voice of another rather than the voice of God. Now the question is how did this happen? In Romans 6.16, Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. This basically means that whoever you decide to obey, you become their servants. This means that because man rather chose to obey the voice of another, man had consequently come under the rule of that entity. In the story, the entity was called the serpent. Since this creature was a part of the garden which God planted, then it means it was a part of nature. 
I believe that the entity, the serpent, represented nature in that story. And in obeying it, man came under bondage to natural things. This is why humans are subject to all kinds of natural things like sickness and disease. Even mosquitoes don't respect us. Now, it is said that the transgression of the law or missing the mark is called sin. And since God gave a law in that story, when man transgressed it, man became guilty of sin. In addition, the Bible said in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. So man also, as a consequence of that sin, acquired death. From that point on, man operated under what is called the natural law of sin and death. Therefore, the redemption package of our Lord Jesus Christ was to pay the debt of death resultant from the original sin which all mankind inherited from Adam to buy us back from that bondage, bringing us back under the direct umbrella of God. So the issue of redemption is not about sins, but singular sin and death. The fact is that the whole thing did not happen for just some people as we think today, but all mankind. The depth of original sin has since been paid by Christ. Therefore, there is no longer a reckoning of sin for mankind. Anyone who has a problem with God, it cannot be about sin. Anyone who is reckoning sin for mankind today is not doing so with the backing of God. Because from God's own perspective, the matter has been settled. Now having said all this, there is one little problem. Mankind being made in the image of God is an intelligent being. And intelligence basically means the power to make choices. No matter what you do for a man, it would mean nothing if they don't choose to receive it. Adam chose his actions in the garden and now we have a choice to make. That choice will decide if we benefit from the whole thing or not. It's the simple choice of accepting to be a part of the redemption program. Jesus came for two things. The first is to pay the death debt of mankind and the second is to offer man life in exchange for our death. Yes, the whole of mankind has been bought back through Christ, but only those who accept will receive eternal life. This is why the whole world is not saved though Christ died for the whole world. Now there is a general misconception about who Christ is. Some have called him a prophet, but he is not. Many have tried putting him side by side with religious protagonists. Christ is not a religious protagonist like Buddha of the Buddhists and Prophet Muhammad of the Muslims. Beside that, all the major religious protagonists we know today, except one, lived before Christ. But Muhammad, who was the only one who lived after Christ, was a strong believer in Christ. All good Muslims know this. Christ did not come to the earth to establish any religion. This is a function of mere humans, like Buddha or Muhammad. Christ is not just human. 
but hybrid of God and human. Christ came to redeem the whole world and offer mankind life. The simple truth is that nothing on this earth has been the same ever since the incarnation and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There was a total restructuring of the power hierarchy on this planet, with Christ right on top of it. This is why Christ said in Matthew 28:18, And Jesus came unto them and he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Every single person on this planet, regardless of their religious belief, has come under the authority of Christ, whether they believe it, like it or not. It's not a matter of choice, it's an established fact. The judge over this world is now Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.1 says so. He has bought everyone on earth back, so we are either saved by Christ or judged by Christ. It's our choice. I know people of other religious beliefs may not agree with what I'm saying. They might think I'm only saying so because I am a Christian. But it's not the case. Christianity is one of the religions on the earth, and I am a Christian. I am one of them. But Christ did not start it. The word Christian was invented decades after Christ died by inhabitants of a pagan city called Antioch. It was meant to describe those who keep talking about Christ. And it wasn't meant to be a compliment at that time, but the name stuck since then. The intent of Christ is to save all people of all religions. After all, Christ himself was a practicing Jew in his own lifetime. So salvation has nothing to do with religion, but it's a spiritual reality meant for all mankind. You might ask me if people of other religions can be saved without necessarily converting to religious Christianity, and I will say to you a big yes. If the protagonist of a religion like Islam was a believer in Christ, then nothing stops all mankind of all religion to confess Christ, even if they prefer their religion. I believe that in receiving the Holy Spirit, those people will be directed on what to do by God. Besides, such persons can be used by God to spread the message in their religions. But once they leave, they can't do that. We need to stop selling religion and start preaching Christ. I'm not against religion, but it's meant to be for identity and political influence, not a spiritual reality. The case of Christ is simply a global phenomenon, which has totally changed the spiritual reality on the earth. All those angels who held sway in Israel and the different nations on the earth before Christ have all been sent packing for the new landlord to take charge. You can check out the book of Daniel chapter 10 from verse 11 to 13 for some context on this. Jesus is Lord is not a slogan. King of Kings is not a slogan. These are all spiritual reality. Even the very reckoning of time on this planet has been related to Christ. Time is counted today on earth as before Christ, B.C., or after death, A.D. This is an indication of what Christ is to this planet. 
Now let me end with this very famous quote from John 3, 16 and 17. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have a lasting life. And verse 17 says, For God has not sent his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now join me again next week as we conclude on this topic of eternal redemption. And until then, thank you for listening and God bless you. Hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.